Good morning and good afternoon, depending on wherever you at the time is recording. This is episode 111 of the Restricted Zone podcast, and I'm with a good crew today. Kyrie, introduce yourself to the people, man. Yo, what's going on, fellas? Let's put on a good episode for the people. Yes, sir. And Chris, introduce yourself to the people out there, man. It's the man. It's the myth. It's the legend. Your boy Breezy's in the house. Breeze. Where are going tonight? Let's get it, man. And listen, strictly basketball, nothing but basketball this episode. Man, I, I, I'm so excited to talk about this episode with you guys. There's a lot to talk about. But first, we're going to dive in. We're going to start off with the Sixers head coach, Nick Nurse. He's our head coach now. Uh, I love it. A lot of people will love it, ecstatic about it. I think he's going to do everything Doc Rivers didn't do and then some. Uh, he's got the pedigree. You know, he, he took the 2019 around the Raptors when Kawhi hit that lucky shot and crushed us. And, you know, he, he definitely made some nice adjustments against us, especially on the defensive end. When he, and you saw it against the Warriors in, in a couple of games. He full-pressed them. Uh, he did a lot of adjustments throughout the series that it really shined as – it really showed that he was an excellent coach. And the following year when Kawhi Leonard left, they went 53-19, and 19, I believe. You know, without Kawhi Leonard, so it's like the guy's definitely established. He got a great pedigree. I'm excited for him to be our coach. Kyrie, just talk about it, man. Just what's your thoughts about him being the head coach for the Sixers, and how does he help them? And could he be the one to take us to the championship? I honestly love it for you guys. I personally really like Nick Nurse as a coach. I really like what he did with that Toronto Raptors team. And I can see him having a lot of success with you guys, too, especially since you pretty much have your guys' core intact. Of course, with Joel Embiid, um, we don't know what's going on with Harden this season. But I personally think you guys are better if you move off on them and try to uh, go after somebody, uh, go body somebody, go after somebody else, Absolutely. and uh, try to dump Tobias's contract in the process of that. But uh, either way, you still got a young Tyrese Maxey uh, you guys can be excited about. One thing I really like about Nick Nurse is um, his player development and the players that we've seen develop under him. Um, Fred Van Vliet uh, went from undrafted to the G League. NBA champion and, and got himself paid. Um, OG Ananubi came in. He had he had some struggle. He he was injured. Um, coming out of Louisville. Um, he he's a, he he was a guy that was heavily wanted at the trade deadline this past season, and for good reason. He's a very good defender. Um, Pascal Siakam, same thing. Late round pick. Um, came to the G League and uh, NBA champion and an All Star. So he there's a lot of guys from that that's around the Raptor era under Nick Nurse where they really went out and, and made a name. Norman Powell's another guy who went for, to the Clippers and got himself some money and got a good role there. Just a lot of guys came up, they found their niche and he played to their strengths. And um, even though this season, even though even last season wasn't like the best, the last few seasons weren't the best showings of what the Raptors could do, they still were somewhat competitive. Um, they had first the season where they looked like they could have shot for a uh, for a playing uh, for a playing spot, but it just didn't really work out for them. Um, their team was very clunky this year with uh with uh, Scotty Barnes, OG, and Pascal on the floor together. It really didn't work out. You guys don't really have that much problem, whereas the problem with you guys is the lack of depth, I feel like, where Toronto, they had too much depth and didn't really know what to do with it. So I think with you guys, um, you guys, he could continue uh, growing young players, especially a guy like Paul Reed that I really like. I, uh, I think Nick Nurse can use his defensive instincts, his length, his athleticism. His athleticism. Um, really well on that end of the floor can, and can make him a really good player. And um, I think he just keeps helping it be in advance. I think he keeps helping uh, Tyreek Maxey advance, but it's all about whether he can help the Sixers advance that past that second round. So 
that's that's going to be seen. Um, I think the East coming up next season, depending on how everything shakes out in the free agency, is going to be a wild sauce because there's a lot of questions going on. But um, I, I like I really like the Nick Nurse hire. I think he's going to do a lot of good things there, Philly. Man, and you know, definitely one of the things you touched on. It that's that's what it all comes down to. Is he the guy that takes him over that second hump? We've always failed. Just to, we've come close. I mean, this year we came close. Twenty nineteen we came close. Uh. You know, it all comes down to him being the one. Can he take us over that final hump? And I think, I think he's a guy that he can because unlike Doc, who never utilizes his bench, I, I always said we always, you know, gave a lot of crap on the bench. I really feel like we had a bench. We just never utilized them, right? We didn't utilize the pieces to the, at least to the best of their abilities. Because we, uh-huh. wasn't yeah. that by me again? Yeah, y'all didn't y'all y'all didn't really have My much. Montrez Harold, you know, we didn't use Corey Mize at all. Well, I mean, what, 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 hold on, hold on, wait, 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 wait. I'm, we're just going to go down the list. So you said Montrez Harold. What right. was he going to bring to the table? Defense. I, I, rebound. I, I, he doesn't play defense. Montrez Harold does not play defense. And then he, he's a solid, solid, not not a great offensive scorer, but he could give you some points if you need some. Right? I agree. I agree with the Montrez. I think he could have, should have got some more, like, more minutes in certain situations. Yeah. I think Doc didn't really. So Whoa. Shay Shay was kind Whoa. of a mixed bag. He had his games, but I felt like he was more suited to be playing with Maxi. And you, I just feel like mm-hmm. Doc. The, the the only thing is he's got to be out there with another rim runner. Y'all didn't really have that. Y'all don't have anybody that can make up for his, his lack of height on the on that on the defensive end for real for real. And that's why he gets burnt down there so much because he gets left with a guy at six eleven, and there's only much, so much he can do. I will give him that he's a good weak side defender. He's good on the help. He's really good when it comes to that and getting weak side blocks and stuff like that. But as a one on one defender, he gets burnt way too much, which is why Doc really didn't have him out there. But that again, that goes to y'all depth. Y'all didn't have another rim runner that could kind of match those defensive inefficiencies that Trez had. That, that's a fair point. I think we got a lot of, like, Jaden McDaniels, he's got a lot of potential. Uh, I think he could be a great rotational player, you know. Like I said, Nick Nurse utilizes okay. – you don't like Jaden McDaniels? His brother's better than him. That's of course I, his brother's like brother way better of than him. Of course his brother's better than him, but wait. I'm looking at it as a point where Jaden – the, the one y'all – I always get them mixed up, but the one y'all have, I feel like he is what he is already. He's like a scrappy wing defender that's going to knock down some threes here and there. But he's not a, he's not he hasn't shown me to be a consistent three point shooter. Like especially in times y'all need him. He he folded like a lot towards the end of the season in the playoffs. Yeah. I'm I'm waiting to hear I'm waiting to hear about this bench he keep talking about. That's what I, I'm waiting I, on I still. Jaden McDaniel, Shake Milton, you got Montrez Harold, Corey Miles. What was Shake Milton? What was Shake Milton gonna do? Well, great. Game six, he was he was very disappointing, but Doc never gave him a chance to get into a rhythm. And he I don't guard nobody either. Yeah, he, he don't guard nobody in his game kind of his game kind of classic with Maxie's game where they both need the ball in their hands a lot and they both like to get downhill. The shit likes to and shoot a lot too. Listen, he's not listen, he's not really an off ball mover. Okay, right, at least Maxie will try to do something will at least impact the game if he's not scoring. If Shake exactly. can't make a shot, he's not doing anything. The only person y'all had that was good on your bench was the Anthony Melton. So what other bench are you talking about? Well, that was, those are the players that I feel like Nick Nurse under his tutelage, he could we'll see something different. I really do believe because he utilized every single player on the Raptors when he was when they when they won the championship. He utilized all his guys. I think the Heat, when you're watching the Heat play, they utilize all their guys. Um, I just think we've never utilized well 
like you said, the bench, okay, in terms of those guys, the bench is clearly the weakest out of those three I just said. But I feel like with Nick Nurse, he's definitely one of those guys. He's going to be really be paying attention to some of these guys' personal development. Like, in terms of training camp, really watching these guys in practice, I just feel like Nick Nurse is just the right guy for us. And honestly speaking, I can't wait for him to start coaching. I think we're going to see a lot of changes defensively. I think Joel is probably going to have an even better season, possibly. I don't know if he really had a better season than what he had just now, but uh, Nick Nurse was excited to coach him. And during the interview process, Joel seemed like he was really favorable. He liked him. So uh, I think it's a good matchup between those two. Uh, but, Chris, go ahead. Just give me your thoughts on, on Nick Nurse and what do you think about what he means for the Sixers and what kind of changes you think he may be able to bring for us. And could he bring us to that second, out the second round, possibly to the conference and finals? I'm not going to spend too long answering this question because, one, I honestly don't care, to be frank with you guys. I really don't. Um, but, two, Kyrie basically already stated everything important about Nick Nurse. So the only question is, is this the coach to get you up past the second round? And quite frankly, I don't care because as much as I don't like Doc, and even though it's not enti- it was not entirely his fault this year, he had some blame too, but it wasn't entirely his fault. Yeah. The roster – the the roster that has been constructed is horrible, way too top heavy. So just because you bring in a new coach doesn't mean that the offense that the team is going to get any better. If the best player coming off your bench is Anthony Melton and Go- and Georges Niang, what what are you accomplishing? We got to wait and see. And, and the thing is, do y'all have a, do y'all have a draft pick this year? I believe no. I don't. I, I don't, believe. I don't, I don't think y'all got a draft pick this year. No, I don't think no. Okay. I may be wrong about that. I may be wrong about that, but I, I really think no. I don't think we did because we mm-hmm. lost it because of tampering because of PJ Tucker. So no, right. I don't think. No. Right. I, here's a good one. Here, you know who y'all need right now? Who y'all really miss? Isaiah Ooh. Joe. He could have helped. Sure it could. Isaiah Joe definitely could have helped right now. One of the top could. three point shooters in the league. Man. Or, or you, or you know, what else could have helped? Not trading away Mikael Bridges. At this point, I just think it's y'all roster. I mean, well, the see, coach is part of the pop, but it's mainly y'all roster. But, but then that, that's the thing. We then it comes. We when you we 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 drafted right. We never kept the young pieces, and obviously, and look, we kept Zaire Smith over Mikael Bridges. I mean, and he's not even in the league anymore. We don't even know what he's doing at this point, but. Oh boy, that's some reality. Crazy. <laughs> you can't make it up. Like I don't know what he's uh, doing right now. But honestly speaking, like I said, I, I'm excited for for Nick Nurse to be our coach. I think we might finally get over the hump with this guy. We gotta wait and see what the all season looks like in terms of the roster development, whether James Harden leaves or not, which I don't really care for James Harden to be honest with you. Uh I prefer actually if he really left. Uh because he doesn't deserve any type of money what? he might be demanding. But then at least it's their point guard. This is now, what I was trying to get to, though, when I asked you about the draft pick. Like, what, I don't see y'all really doing too much in free agency, neither, because y'all have a lot of money tied up in a lot of guys. So, kind of like Chris said, Nick Nurse might be a good, a good coach for y'all, but it's about what he has out there to, to play. So, I don't, how do you suppose that they go about free agency this year and, and added on those guys? Like, like I said, I think Tobias Harris got to go. Well, I mean, listen, we got to see what... They've been trying for three years. He ain't going nowhere. And nobody <laughs> taking on that $39 million he making. 
Hey. They're gonna stay on the sixes and they're gonna oh. resign him the following season. Well, Chris, Chris, Watch. we got till June, July, and August, sir. So you know, you know, we 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 you know. So let never say never. Let's see what happens yeah. first. Y'all have been trying to trade him for three years. I like There's the reason why nobody wants him. Very much. I like to keep the faith. Let me keep the faith. Go ahead. Yeah, I know your team in the finals now, so you're ecstatic. But we'll be there soon, Chris. At some point. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, that was no funny. You're, you're a comedian. Right. That was funny. I would, all right, uh, we, we're not about to do this. Now, with that being said, we move on to the next topic. Listen, man, the Boston Celtics got a lot of decisions on, on their hand. And it kind of, it's kind of funny because it was a lot of decisions back in our hand when, we, when it came to Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons. And uh, we made a wrong decision there, and that altered our fate forever. Uh, the Celtics, man, listen, Jalen Brown's up for 200 and two, how much How much is he up for? Uh, the, the Supermax, he's up for like 290 million. I think it was I think it was two ninety or two eighty something. Two ninety like and man, uh, first of all, do you think Jalen Brown is worth that type of money? <laughs> Considering and let's not be prisoner of the moments. Let's just look at his overall how he developed from when he came into the league when he wasn't even a scorer. He was just a strictly a defender, and then he turned himself into a scorer. Is he worth that money, you the Celtics, or do you try to trade him and see what you could get for him? I mean. If you're the Celtics, it's all about how much you value that core, Tatum and Brown, and mm-hmm. whether you think they can get you championship, a championship or multiple championships sometime down the line. You got to really sit apart and think about that, and think about the other things you got going around that roster as far as your coaching, mm-hmm. your coaching situation with Joe Mazzulla. And um, yeah, I mean, I personally think the Celtics do value him that much, and I think I, I definitely think that they. Like they give it to him, but I could I see a lot of situations where they they could uh, Jalen Brown can uh, ask for a trade, and I see a lot of teams like honestly like paying him that much money or seeing him oh, worth yeah. that much money to, to yeah. turn their franchise around. Like when you when I think of a team like the Atlanta Hawks that just like just just kind of need a guy like and they like, they kind of been like stuck like in mediocrity like these past couple of years, like but the Hawks I think a guy like give up a lot. That's even if like in. Like to be frank, even if you think they're overpaying, like as a Hawks fan or as a, as a fan in general, you think that's overpaid for Jalen Brown. You got you got to it's the NBA. Like you got to take chances. Like we've seen we've seen guys get underpaid in, in a workout. We've seen guys get overpaid in a workout. So I think Jalen does get in that in that ballpark. But I, if it's not the Celtics, I highly I, I see it like a lot of things. Like I mentioned, the Hawks. I think the Rockets are in play. And I think the Memphis Grizzlies are, are in play, too. I think those are teams that can value him and, and, and give him that much money if the Celtics decide not to. Okay. All right. That That's some nice points. Chris, just give me your perspective on what the Celtics should do with Jalen Brown. Should, should they give him the max, super max deal? Or or maybe it's time to trade him and see what you could get back for him. Maybe another star. Maybe they trade to Portland, talk to Portland, see if they're trying to fish out Dane. Probably not. But, you know, try your luck and see where that goes. You know? Because, you know, just give me your thoughts, Chris. They should do both. I would entertain trade talks and think about resigning them. Because as much as a fan of Jalen Brown and as terrible as he played against the Heat, mm. he is worth a max deal. Now, fortunately for him, he played well enough this year to earn himself a super max. But 
again, like Kyrie said, it's very difficult, and that's a big and that's a big risk to to just have two players over your team making over three hundred, basically over three hundred million dollars. So that mm-hmm. leaves not a lot of room for the rest of the team to, for the rest of the team to work with. Um, true, that's true. And not to cut you off, Chris, but that that definitely plays a long way when you think of the Celtics. And and in my opinion, you and you guys can uh, chime in or not, but I think they're like top the bottom like roster, like the roster pound for pound had the deepest roster in the league. And like Chris said, you paying two guys three hundred mil. What happens to the guys like Brogdon who came up big in these playoffs? Um, Derek White who came up big in these playoffs. Uh, Robert Williams, who's kind of working his way back from from injury, but he he has a spot on this team too, you know. Like certain guys, like Marcus Smart, like certain guys like that, that are integral to this team. Like you you got to worry about them too because they definitely make this roster just as much as Tatum and Brown did. I see. What I would what I would do is if I was a Celtics, is and I feel like even in the end, part of me thinks that Jalen Brown's gonna want to leave because I think he wants. Even though he, I feel like he loves Boston. He likes playing with Tatum. He also, I think, is out to prove that he can be a number one guy. So mm-hmm. he might want to leave just to prove his point. I can't think of a better situation right now, and I don't know if the trade details are going to work out that I had played out in my head, but I do say Portland to try to get Damian Lillard over. Because what we saw from that Celtics Heat series is as much as Boston loves Marcus Smart, he is not a point guard, and they need one mm-hmm. badly. Nah, they need exactly. a point guard badly. Exactly. So, why not go after the best point guard? At, well, not the best, but one of the best point guards out there who's still in his prime to try to compete. You could send Jalen Brown and who I was and I would say Robert Williams and a couple draft picks to the Blazers, and in return, they give you Dame Lillard and Yusuf Nurkic. Now, you don't have to keep Nurkic. You just get a big back in return, but you can pick somebody up like a JaVale McGee who's going to be a free agent this summer because the, the Mavericks aren't going to bring him back. Like, you can find ways to fill the void of a Robert Williams. It's very rare to find a trade to find a trade to get Damian Lillard in return. And if you're a Celtics fan, you should want to go all in for Damian Lillard or for a sidekick. Like think about how they feel right now that Kevin Durant didn't come to they come to Boston. They could have traded Jalen Brown or something to Brooklyn and got they got Kevin Durant in return. Everybody's happy. Jalen Brown's in the spot where he can be a number one option. Kevin Durant's on a championship contending team. Everybody's happy in the end. They passed on that. And they see what and but and they've seen this core they've had fall short multiple times. Let Jim Brown go prove he could be a number one option somewhere. Go ahead, let him do that. I agree. And the Celtics, and it, I guess in the Celtics' heart, they believe Tatum is the real superstar. But man, he he's such a he, he gets cold, man. When he's cold, he he's cold. But when he's hot, he gave us fifty one. Gave us mm-hmm. that big hurt. They both have they both had a very inconsistent playoff run. Now I know probably overall stats they do look good, but but right. looking at it game by game, they had a very inconsistent run. And you can you can tell that you can tell last series um between the Heat and the Celtics that the Heat like started to figure out Jalen Brown, and um it's what we've been saying for years though his handle his handle is pretty sloppy. And, He's not yeah. a good passer. And I don't know what it is, but he's he like he's always falling down and, and stumbling when he when he's trying to make a drive and when he when he's he like accelerating past guys. And he and can't he, even I, I saw I saw I think it was on the Libertar show. Uh, Caleb Martin even said like yeah like the, the game plan was the fourth and left. Like and man and, and, and it threw me for one because I thought like it, it confused me because I thought Boston had Jimmy figured out for a while. 
Jimmy showed to be able to make those adjustments, even when his shot wasn't falling, he showed to be able to impact the game in other ways as far as rebounding, defending, and and uh and, and uh, facilitating. Jalen Brown's got the defending part like down pat. He's a pretty good rebounder from that wing position, but it comes down to playmaking and ball handling from him. Now really got exposed when he when we're talking about him becoming a number one option and becoming like the guy for a team, a face of a franchise. That's one part of his game where he's going to have to improve tremendously because he's going to have the ball in his hand a lot more. And nine times out of ten, he's not going to have a guy at Tatum's caliber on his side to to kind of help bail him out. Even though he helped bail Tatum out too, yeah, a lot. But you have a guy like Tatum who's an elite scorer in his league who give you thirty any night that can take the ball and is a very good ball handler. So. That's that's another good point. That's another good uh, thing, Jalen Brown. We're going to have to see work on when we're talking about him possibly becoming number one guy. All right. Okay. That's fair. So the Boston Celtics find themselves in a tricky situation, man, and hopefully they don't make the wrong decision like we did. But it's it's you know this could really turn out in so many different ways. Uh, you just got to leave it up to management and feel, and you would think that they would know what to do. I mean, Brad Stevens, you know, maybe Danny Ainge probably would have had a, had a solution by now. Maybe, but hopefully Brad Stevens, you know, definitely could get this figured out. So, Chris, you want anything, anything else before we move on to the next topic, your favorite topic of it all? I I was just going to say, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I wouldn't mind seeing the backcourt of Anthony Simons and Jalen Brown. I, and then, that's, something, I think, that's something you can work I, with. I think that would be nice, but we, when we think about that, though, I'm just thinking the Blazers got the third pick. Where do, you, where do y'all think that comes into play? So, Kyrie, that's what I'm saying. So, it would depend who the Hornets draft and with the second pick. It would entirely again? It would have to depend on who the Hornets draft with the second pick. Mm. It, it would have to depend so, on... So you, think if, so, you think if they pick Scoop? So, this is what I'm saying. If the Hornets take Brandon Miller, which is starting to look like day by day, it might be the Hornets that kind of... Because Scott and Ball, as much as we talked about it during the episode, but it just doesn't make sense. Now that I'm really looking at it again... Maybe it could work out, but Brandon Miller's just he just fits the Hornets more. Now, if school falls down to number three, man, you can't pass school up. You, you just can't. So it's like if you draft them, you can't have them just be playing backup between Simmons and Damian Lillard. So at that point, but they're looking to trade the pick, though. They could trade the pick too, but I don't know. If I'm the Blazers, man, if I school falls to number three. You got to take them. And then it's just, hey, who knows what the Blazers could do, Chris? Go ahead, Chris. It's a tough situation. Listen, I'm, I don't care about the Blazers either. They'll figure it out. <laughs> I, I, I suggest they blow it up and start over. I, I mean, I, Dave's great dog before him out of Portland at this point. Dude, let him mm-hmm. go try to win a championship somewhere. And then just rebuild. You got Anthony Simons. He's somebody you can build around. Just, just right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Shade is sharp. If they 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 could possibly have Scoot Henderson, so they got back over Anthony Simons and Scoot. What they both t- under twenty two? Yeah, backup guard. Two. Yeah, that's let a great. De- let it develop. That's true. That's it. Get rid of Dave. Start over. You, you can play Shaden at the three. Shaden six seven. So you can put him at the three. Portland has Matisse Thybulle and Cam Reddish, I believe, too. Well, well, in that in that case, Dylan Brown will be playing the three with with school and in, in the backcourt. I really, right. I, I honestly like that. Yeah, but then the Suns could get those, so they could probably get like a, you know, they could probably get Matisse Tybalt in exchange for that, because then you would be overcrowded with the at the three with the Portland, way yeah. overcrowded. Yeah, it, it'd be a lot. It'd be a lot of people in there flying through there. 
So it, it had to move some stuff. Yeah. I did have one one last question on, on this topic, though. I just wanted to get your opinions or what y'all think happens with, with Missoula. Do you y'all think Boston tries to move on from him? Do you think he's shown enough this season as, as a one-year coach uh, that he, he can keep his job? Or what y'all well, think? Well, considering that he just got thrown into it like a week before and he actually led them to being the, the second seed, I mean, that, that kind of – now, granted – he was definitely flawed. It showed he was, you know, as a rookie coach, he didn't make he didn't make certain timeouts at certain times. He didn't make certain adjustments, and it was time to make certain adjustments. He really didn't even try to play both his uh, uh, big men until later on in the side of series against um against the Heat. Uh, me and then you saw the three assistants; they all left. They bolted to the Rockets. So, you know, Wait, they was were, that a too? Yeah, they all left the Celtics. They all went to go to the Rockets for, um, you know. I didn't know all the official yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they, this, yeah, they they bolted. So who the Celtics bring in, I think it plays a big part too. But if I'm the Celtics, I don't know. I, I'm not mm. Yeah, I only ask that because there's still like there's still some coaches out there like that got like more experience. Like like you think of like a Monty, like, he's out there. Like even like a Dwayne Casey. I, I don't know. Like, like, there's some guys out there. Dwayne Casey not. Say again. Dwayne Casey not leaving the Pistons. He just gave up. He got two jobs in the office. I think he's a, he's works in the front office now. I think the Pistons are really. I thought Pistons was looking at Monty. Oh, gotcha. I saw a report that they was they was off. They was trying to offer him. They was trying to be aggressive again. Monty Williams to be the coach for the Pistons. No, I saw that too. I, I didn't. I, I, I didn't know I think that. I, if I'm Monty, I would take that. I would take like it too. Monty. Oh yeah, I would take. Lot, yeah, but I, I can see, I can definitely see Monty wanting the wanting the Boston job too. Like, uh, I mean, I see what you're saying, but I feel like just I feel like they're gonna stick with Joe Missoula. I don't see. I mean, obviously, yeah, he had Boston as a rookie coach, but at the end of the day, the team was. What one game away from the finals, even though it was a very bumpy one to get there, they're still one one away from rookie yeah. coach. So it's not like they didn't live up to their potential. Give them a yet another year, like Collins said. He he kind of got thrown to the wolves a week before the year started. He got thrusted into a job that he's had no prior experience for. So I mean, for for what he did as a rookie head coach, I don't see why I just give him another chance. I mean, you can stop interviews with the other. Head coach with the other head coach or free agent head coaches out there that are available, like Amadi Williams, Mike D'Antoni, even though they shouldn't pick him and guys like that. But yeah. I mean, I don't think he had a bad year. No, yeah, I, no, I, I don't think he had a bad year either. No, I, I was now had he had got swept, now he probably would have got fired, right? Regardless of how, because you know, you can't just go out like that. But it's the fact that he took it to game seven. Which I think mm-hmm. gives a little safe haven, a little cushion, you know, to say, hey, you know what, let's bring him back another year. Yeah, through that, through like going down three zip, and then coming right. back and winning three straight games. Yeah. I mean, that showed a lot of resilience. And even yeah. just the way like he he talks, like in his interviews, he talks to guys on the bench and stuff. I really like I really like the way he he motivates guys and like kind of brings guys into the moment and at the same time keeps them calm and keeps them composed. Even though we we seen it not work out and we seen things fall apart a lot during these playoffs in certain aspects, but even throughout the regular season, just the way he's engaged, that's his intensity. Like that's something I personally really like in a head coach, and I can I can definitely see the Celtics holding on to him 
I just thought I threw the question out there because I mean we all heard it after going down three. There was talk, talk like, oh, he he on the hot seat, he might get fired. And it, it was a lot of good coaches out on the market before Nick Nurse uh, took the Sixers job. And I just thought it, it might be interesting. Maybe they just move him to like lead assistant or something to get it and bring a newer coach. And I just felt like they had a lot of things they could have possibly did. Uh, and, and and like I said, I, I think the Celtics should run it back. I think they'll run it back with him. Probably would have this time he'll probably get to hand pick his own assistants and formulate his own offensive schemes, his own, you know, just his own playbook. Cause he was just right. running with, you know, he was just running with the previous coach's uh playbook. He was just running with it to a T. Uh mm-hmm. he didn't have any his own offensive input. So I like to see what he does with his own, you know, with his own group of assistants that he may have a say in and choosing. Uh, and yeah. then, and we'll see what goes on with the Celtics roster moving forward this offseason. But, hey, man, they got a lot of tough decisions. It's not like the Sixers wasn't in that same position three years back. So, right. now, with that being said, we move on to the next topic. Man, NBA Finals, man. I, and we talked about this a lot, uh, the Nuggets and the Heat. Talk and your stuff, Chris. Talk your stuff, Chris. But wait, before <laughs> Chris goes off, it gets, uh, it gets a little crazy. Uh I think this is probably basketball wise, probably gonna be one of the best NBA finals in the past couple of years, probably since 2016. Uh, because it's just gonna be competitive basketball. Uh, we'll see Yogi. Uh, wait, 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 wait. You, you acting like the last couple of finals that haven't been good. Nuggets and Heat. Oh, yeah, that's, that's fair. That's so, fair. That's Celtics fair. Warriors was good. And so were Suns and so were Suns Bucks. You're talking like that. Like you, you, you Lakers, he, he was really good, too. I enjoy watching that series. Right. What is he talking about? That's what I'm trying to figure out. He's well, talking about the last good final since 2016. Yeah, 2016 to me. Well, this is just from my personal perspective. But I, you brought up some good finals, too. But I just felt like in terms of excitement, being genuinely excited, me personally, this is the finals that I'm genuinely excited about. Uh, I think it's going to be. That's shocking. That's shocking coming from you. That's very shocking. What's shocking about it? This is like finals you're excited to see. Nobody, nobody thought either either of these two teams were going to be here. I know they that's were... exciting. It's unpredictable. Okay. Me, me personally, I feel the same way. That's why I'm excited to see it, just because unpredictable. Like, yeah, it, it wasn't like from like 2016 to 2018 or 2015 to 2018 when we knew it was just going to be the Cavs and the Warriors. It just we knew the Warriors were going to be in every time. Like, like. I honestly thought, I honestly like had like high hopes and really thought Denver could make it to the finals this year. But as far as Miami, not at all. Nah, Miami weren't even supposed to be in. They and that's the crazy part. And they they clawed their way all the way to the top. Uh, man, I, if Jimmy wins this finals, his 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 legacy, man, is just crazy at that point. But Jokic, if he wins this NBA championship. He's certified big man. You know, no one's really competing with him as best big he man. Already, he was already he certified is. big man. We are not going to keep keep this conversation I, going. The debate is over. Stop it. Colin, you honestly need to tell him, be to know that MVP over to, over wait, to the right for real. I just said that the, the debate, some people still argue that you were innocent, and that's fine. Bro, what? Going on, but yeah, whoever for arguing that right now need, need to stop talking. I think Jokic is a better center, but there's still the base going on because they want to bring up Joel had an you know, LCL injury, and his injury hampered him a lot. Oh, God. What is it? He hurts. You, you pick and choose. 
Figgins. What is it he heard at this point? No, 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 no. We're not doing this. We are not. Do- no, no, no. We are not doing this. Kyrie, I brought up a stat a couple of episodes ago where I talked about how Joel Embiid was dropping 30 points in back-to-back regular season. But when it came to the playoffs, he dropped 30 points four times out of what? What? How many games did he play? Uh, 13 games? Mind you, mind you, mind you, mind you. In those games, he had 15 points in the game seven, which is terrible. He got outscored by Nick Claxton on one occasion. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? So so why would we continue this debate? Not only that, though, how many times did he get 10 rebounds? He began single-digit rebounds as the biggest player on the court. And, we stop? And, and, and not only that, I'll just add, I'll just add this one because Chris is Chris is knocked him out for the count. I'm just adding these my two cents in. Joel Embiid is the first MVP ever to never advance past the second round into the conference finals. Oof. Oof. And I can, and on top of that, I can fully say I've never seen Joel Embiid dominate a playoff series. Mm. I've never seen Joel dominate a playoff series. Johnny, Johnny had to give us a few words in that one. Oh, Johnny's not here. Yeah, well, he, he's supposed to jump in, but yeah. he, hey, he could. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying how I, I've never, I've never seen Joel dominate a playoff series. That's why when it comes to this conversation, if you compare season by season numbers, that's cool. But we're talking about overall impact on a player's team, and they've been on that thing. They've been on. They've both been on their, their respective teams. For the same amount of time, they both were drafted 2014. in 2014. If I'm not, I'm not, I'm not and granted, Joel missed his what first two seasons, first two seasons, but still. And when it comes down to when the Sixers started being competitive and the Nuggets started being competitive, Nikola Jokic, I feel like it's just was just simply better at leading his team and was just simply better at stepping up to the moment and leading his guys through tough moments and tough playoff situations. Whereas Joel Embiid, it seems like every April, like every April, he just gasses out. He gasses out. He's chug- he's like chugging up the floor. He's barely he's barely running, and I and, and it honestly gets annoying to see like season in and season out because you get all especially being in the city, you get all hype about here like the Sixers in the playoffs, Sixers in the playoffs, and Joel Embiid comes in and plays like the playoffs don't really mean too much for him, like and. Yeah, and like, and like Chris said, it always comes down to, oh, well, he was hurt. Oh, well, he was hurt. But meanwhile, Jokic, it looks like if you've seen him on the street, he never, you never thought he played basketball a day in his life. It's been working for him being seven foot. But he keeps himself in tremendous shape, and he's never injured. He's always available. Availability is the best ability. Availability is the best ability. And from, like I said, from their time span, from the sense they both entered the league and both had their teams respectively competing, Jokic has just simply been just just a far better player and a more viable player, in my opinion. That's why, like, I, I couldn't really get with Embiid with an MVP this season, bro. Ah. I, I, could, I, I couldn't get with it. I, I couldn't nah, get with was, it. He was cool to win MVP. It was cool. I'm just tired of this debate in general. Like, it's still, you know, man. Colin, Colin, no, 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 no. I feel like it's just you being you. I right got now. no, it's co-worker. I got a co-worker. He still believes Joel is better than Jokic. He just Nikola said Nikola Jokic is averaging, if not over, damn near a thirty-point triple double in the playoffs. Can we stop? Not, a, not to, I, not to mention he's you. shooting over fifty percent from the field. I'm with you. That I certainly do. I'm with you in there. I've been Joel arguing this, but I told you I conceded back in the group chat. I say, yeah, Jokic is the better player, but it's still a debate. I'm just letting you know it's still a debate. 
people still have debates about this, whether you believe it or not. But with that being said, yeah, I bet they do. <laughs> Chris, give the finals predictions. Who you have winning? Why? And, and who's the X factor for them winning and carrying the team over? <laughs> who do I have winning? Oh, <laughs> come on now. Jokic, Jokic is getting his ring. Jokic is getting his ring. Like, I'm, it's just that simple. Uh, we're going to talk about X factors. There's the same X factors that I've been saying all playoffs. Bruce Brown, he's got to be a sparkle look off the bench. Uh, Otto, I said Otto Porter. Michael Porter Jr., got to oh. make threes. They have a lot of – yes, I know. I know I made that mistake. Michael Porter Jr. has to make a lot – has to shoot efficiently again. Miami has a lot of perimeter defense and a lot of wing defenders, kind of like the Nuggets have. So you have to be able to make open shots when you get them. And Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon, he's probably going to be tasked with guarding Jimmy Butler. Now, we see what playoff Jimmy can do. I've seen playoff Jimmy in a slump. Aaron Gordon, keep him in that slump. The last thing I need to see is Jimmy Butler just willing his team to victory by dropping 40 and 50 points, which I know he's capable of. Outside of that, I'm very confident, though. It's It feels like it's weird because I feel like this is a David versus Goliath matchup in, in different and similar ways, but different aspects of both teams. I feel like for the Nuggets, it's David versus Goliath because even as the number one team throughout the – or ranked as one, the number one team throughout the year in the Western Conference, being the number one seed in the playoffs and advancing to the finals, a lot of people assumed that they were going to lose in the second round of the conference finals to a team like the Clippers if they made it that far, the Suns, the Lakers. They they did not expect them to win. The, the Warriors, I didn't say that team, they didn't, they didn't expect them to win. Well, so they're out to prove that, you know, we're legit. We're 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 here. We're we're here, and we're going to be here for a while. They're out to prove that. Uh, but we look at it f- towards the Heat. They're kind of the day of the situation because we all wrote them up. We didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. And long and behold, this is the f- first AC since the Knicks in '99 to make it to the NBA Finals. So uh, both teams, in their own perspective, had David Goliath aspects going into this thing. Personally. I feel like it's going to be the Nuggets and six. Um, it's going to be beautiful to see. And Colin, when that happens, if that happens, but when? I'm going to say when because I'm confident. Oh. You're going to hate me. You are going to hate me. I hey, promise you that. Talk it. Hey, talk your stuff, man. Chest <laughs> out. Go ahead. Grab the star. But, ahead, but, but I will say this. I will say this. As a consolation prize, if the Nuggets don't win, mm. I'll be upset. But not that upset. And I'm going to tell you why. Just envision this, because it just sounds so beautiful in my head. And Jonah, whenever you listen to this, this is the answer to that question that you asked me earlier. As a Sixers fan, just picture an image of Jimmy Butler with the NBA Finals trophy in one hand, the Finals MVP in the other hand, a big cigar in his mouth with a big-ass smirk on his face. Talking about what now? What's just I would put that I would want to put that on a t-shirt and just and just mail it to every Philadelphia Sixers fan out here. Y'all chose the vibes over me. That's the, that's what oh, he said on the stage. And that, and that, you could put that on the back of the shirt. Tobias Harris over me, bro. That shirt is money. Got, <laughs> that's money. Yeah, yeah, yeah you right. Yeah. That's that that shirt is money. If if he yeah. was the finals, I hit me buckets clothing line. I need you to make that shirt. Put that no, picture yeah. on it. Put that call in the back of it and send me about four or five pairs, please. 
Kyrie, I think he got notification too. I think he started to trademark that shit. He did. He got yeah. that Hemi Bunkers trademark. Yo, Chris, that shirt you designed, bro. If he don't do it, we gotta we, we gotta do that somehow. We gotta collab with you somehow. Like that shirt uh, fire. I'll definitely wear that This guy, sorry, we gotta collab with him. All right, man. Listen. Bro, he said he chose a bias over me on the back. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> nah, man, that's be one of the infamous type of yeah. Oof. I don't want to be on that type of history. Kyrie. Final predictions. Who do you have? Hold on, hold on, Kyrie, Kyrie. Before you answer, Colin, I gotta get your thoughts on that. Just imagine that. What would you? How would you feel? How would you feel? What else happened? Filled up your Sixers fan out there. How would you feel? I don't care if you DM me, comment under the show. I don't care how you get back in touch with me. But just tell me, how would you feel if that was to happen? Honestly, you. We'd have to look at management and say, "Can we fire these guys now?" That'd be the first step, but hey, honestly speaking, what happened? Another process. <laughs> Listen, what else happened? Look, I'm I've experienced so many emotions over the past three, four years with the Sixers, man. I don't know what emotion could honestly go through me at this point, uh, especially after this season in particular. I would just say I would be happy for Jimmy Butler. In all honesty, I would genuinely be happy for Jimmy Butler. But man, what it we would be on the wrong side of history is one of the most dumbest signings offseason moves we could have done in NBA history. That'd probably be I mean, y'all y'all already are, because Jerry Bell has been to the conference finals three times since he left Philadelphia. So y'all already are on the wrong side of history. Oh man. Well, it's not all it's not at the top. If he wins, we damn near Bro, shoot. it's all, bro, it's bad, bro. It's bad enough. It don't gotta get no worse. It's bad enough. <laughs> it don't now, gotta get no worse. You think so or nah? Cause it's, Wait, it's, what? Like in terms of that, like that'd be one of the most ugh. Like it already is. It already if, is. If you're looking at, you just gotta look at the money y'all paying to buyers. Like forget, forget, forget the whole Jimmy, forget the whole Jimmy thing. Pull up and pull up basketball reference and look at the money y'all y'all paying to buyers. Oof, man, now, that's enough to be mad at. That is, we pay him like he's that a, was supposed oof. to go to Jimmy Butler. That's crazy. Y'all gave it to Tobias. Put up 16 points a game. But Jimmy Butler couldn't. He didn't want to. He didn't want to play with Ben Simmons anymore. So it was that factor too. Ben Simmons was no, at the time. No, out. No, because he's talked about it on JJ Reddick's podcast why he left the Heat. It had nothing to do with Ben Simmons, and absolutely nothing to do with the roster construction itself. It's because management said that if they bring Jimmy Butler back, they had to figure out ways to control him. And Jimmy Butler said, "Y'all can't control me. I want out." That's why he left. He said that himself. That stings even more. Man, Kyrie. <laughs> that stings even more. That stings even more. I, hey, I would listen, if Jimmy wins it, I'll definitely be happy for him. Because he deserves it. This one of the most you look at his story, it, like, you know, from when he was on the Bulls, he made some winning plays on the Bulls. Now, you know, he's just elevated his game every single year since he's been in the league. He was the last pick in the first round. You know, and I, like I said, I love to see Jimmy Butler win a title, in all honesty. Uh, I think that'd be one of some the greatest storylines ever. The Heat coming yeah, back and doing that. It'll be a great it'll be a great story either way. So I'm happy it'll either be. way. But let's so, go, Denver. Let's go, Denver. Yeah. Come on, baby. But I will say Denver is seven, because I think the Heat's gonna fight. I, I say Denver is seven. But I, I think the Heat's gonna push it to the utmost limit, in my opinion. But Kyrie, just give me your thoughts. Do you have winning? Why? And who's the X factor that you think will push them over that hump to get to that title? 
Um, so I got Denver six two. I agree with Chris. Uh, I think Denver wins because one, I don't think Bam, and even though he's not going to be playing a one on one much because Miami plays his own, I still don't think that team physically can deal with Nikola Jokic on that glass. And I've seen it a little in the Knicks series and even in this series too, where if you give Miami fits on the glass because that's where they, that's where their bread and butter is getting rebounds, especially with uh. Guys like Kevin Love, Bam, Jimmy likes to rebound. They're a good rebounding team, and, and when they feel like it can push the offense, but they really like playing things at their pace, and they can they start it off like with controlling the glass. And I just simply don't see you doing that with a guy like Jokic, who's always first to the ball. He does a great job of making contact first as the box out man and, and, and being in position to get the ball and just having such a nose for it and knowing where it's coming off at, being able to tip it up one, two, three times, and then before getting it and deciding whether he wants to put it back up or pass it out, um, he can kill you with the outlet passes. I mean, he it's just too many ways he can kill you on the glass alone that I don't think Miami has any way they can kind of they can really neutralize that. And another like another thing is I just don't think Miami shooting. Kind of, I don't think it, it, and I've been saying this like the like the whole playoffs real for real because Miami's really been surprising me. I've said this during the season, they uh, during the series they played us since this during uh, this last series, but I don't think this shooting is going to keep being as efficient as it has been. But I, I got to my half thoughts with the guys. Caleb Martin's been a been a damn problem. Um, Duncan Robinson's finally stepped up, and he I think he had a couple twenty point games uh, last series. He's been shooting the ball efficiently. Kyle Lowry had has a good has a good game, so they have a lot of they like they have a lot of perimeter shooting which they rely on, but I don't think that's going to be as consistent, especially where you have guys like KCP and Bruce uh, Bruce Brown that are very good at chasing guys off of ball screens, running out after guys and contested shots, and then again making those making those turning those into points because they're such great leak out guys. And once Jokic gets the rebound, his head's already looking down court and he's passing it. So I just think it's too many like intricacies of Jokic's game where Miami's not going to really be too adept at, at defending. Um, I think they're going to have some success in a lot of ways, like having Bam attack that middle of uh, of Denver's zone where Jokic kind of stands in the middle, in the middle of. Um, mm-hmm. They had Anthony Davis doing it. They had uh, Rui Hachimura doing it. I think Bam has some success there, but overall, I think he becomes obsolete this series because Jokic just doesn't, he gets so much to handle. Um, but I think as far as, like, the X factor, I think it is going to be Aaron Gordon, which uh, Chris mentioned, because I believe he's going to be guarding Jimmy Butler, too, because he's got that size, he's got that perimeter ability, and he he has that verticality to, to be able to jump at the rim and meet Jimmy Butler at the rim. But they got to do something. They got to do something. And I'm pretty sure they will, because Denver's a, a, a pretty good team at, a, at adjusting and noticing certain things about players. And one thing that Boston noticed about Jimmy, or kind of, I guess, dialed in on with Jimmy was staying down at his pump fake. If you look at that last game, they weren't going for any of his pump fakes. That's how Robert Williams kept blocking his shot because he was getting that time in that. A guy like Aaron Gordon, he stays down at his pump fake. He has the springs and that, that wingspan and that, that leaping ability to go up and block shots and make shots diff- more difficult for him than they already are. When he, he's a tough shot maker, but if you can make him tougher, you have guys like, like I said, Bruce Brown, KCP running at him, making those shots tougher. It's going to be like those three, the three, uh, the few games they dropped in Boston where he wasn't really doing much. He was putting up 14 points, 10 points. Right. Going to, I see a lot of games were going like that for Jimmy where they just have too much that they're throwing at him and they they 
figured out a lot of key parts of his game, such as like I mentioned, his, his pump fake. Um, they're spinning those pivots. They're kind of they're staying down on those and not biting on those, and they're not creating those like opportunities for him to make passes or to get the flip shots up um, in the paint. So um, I think Jokic, I, mean, Jokic, I think the Nuggets have a lot of uh, key players and key defenders that can neutralize a lot of Miami's uh, offense. And another thing that concerns me is them, uh, Miami keeps a lot of their games like really low scoring. Like if you look at these past games, like a lot of them. Barely touched a hundred. If they did, they were really like one ten, if anything. But a lot of them were like in the high nineties and stuff like that. And um, you, the Nuggets are a high scoring team. They're a team that likes to get out and run. Jamal Murray can get buckets in a pinch. He can heat up whenever he feels like it. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is a, a, a an above forty percent three point shooter. Whereas he, if he gets it hot, he's he's hard to stop. And um, they just have a lot of guys that can spread the floor and get out and run and, and finish in transition. So I think there's going to be too much for Miami, and that's why I got uh, Denver winning in the six. Okay. Miami needed a that super was beautiful to hear. Thank you for that. That was that was music to my ears. It, bro, it, it's, it's the truth. And I'm going to say this. I don't think I don't think Miami goes out like no punk. I'll say that Miami's going to make every single game a dogfight, and I truly believe that because that's what they've done all – that's how they made it this far. They, this how, that's literally how they made it to the finals. That team is very resilient. Eric Sposa is a mastermind at picking up on things and making the adjustments and having the right guys in at the right times and having those guys play to their, like, play to their strengths. Like a guy like Max Schrute, Good shooter, big body. He's not really mobile on the defensive end, but you can use his size in that zone. A guy like Haywood Highsmith, who I think came out of like a D2 or a D3 school, really impressed me um, this series. And I could definitely see him having a, a lot of key moments like he's had this past uh, this past uh, playoff series so far. I remember the strip on Jason Tatum he had last game mm-hmm. for, the, uh, for the leak out dunk. They have a lot of guys that play to their strengths. And because of that, they're so well at playing as a unit because they understand everybody's weaknesses and they understand where everybody does well, and they just play to the they just play to their strengths. So, I, like I said, I don't think Miami goes out like any punks or anything. I don't think they go out here and get swept or nothing. I think they make it a series as much as they can. But again, I think Denver just just has too much for them. I think Jokic is just simply too much to handle. Game three, uh, the the hero comes back. You know, their their superhero comes back. So we'll see what that. And, and the thing with that, and I've seen that, and I was going to mention it too, but the thing is, I don't see that being a key factor because Tyler Hare was a shooter, and on top of that, he's a rhythm shooter. He's a guy that has to get into a rhythm and has to get into, like, being comfortable and get, his, and get into nice spots to really get comfortable and be consistent throughout games. And he had a hand injury. And I, I, just, don't, I just don't really see him being as effective because I, I don't think he's going to be as aggressive especially driving to the paint and, and handling as much because he doesn't want to hurt that hand. And um, I think he gets in the way of the production of the other guys that we've seen stuff up so well, like Duncan Robinson and Matt Struess and, and, and Caleb Martin. So I, I, I say you, you play him, as, like you bring him off the bench, you play him as first at first just to see like what he can do or what he can handle. You take it from there. But the Heat's other guys and their role players have just been so good and just have stepped up so much this postseason. I don't think you can just toss Harrow in there and throw them off their game or, or make things different for them. I think you just you just got to you just got to keep nurturing what they've been doing and keep harping on what they've been doing because it's been working for them. No, and I don't disagree. That was a great analysis, Kyrie. Great analysis, Chris. You you have anything else you want to add on on top of that? I just got one thing to say. Is it? I got to give a big shout out to Caleb Martin. 
the deserving MVP of the Eastern Conference Finals. Absolutely. As much as we love he, Jimmy. He should have won that. Yeah, even though we love Jimmy, it was Caleb Martin that, came, that saved the day. Sure did. He balled out. And like you said, Kyrie, Miami will not make it easy. And Denver, throughout this playoffs, has not played a team with the perimeter defense of Miami. But as you so beautifully just said, all the things you stated, I have full confidence now that that defense will not be a problem for us. It starts tomorrow. It starts Start tomorrow. tomorrow. Four more, baby. Can I pull up one thing? Because Caleb, with Caleb Martin, I was looking up his numbers earlier, and it just jumped out to me. I mean, he shot 60% from the field, almost 50% from three, and 87% from the line. Like, yes, you, you, you can't get not get that guy in the MVP trophy for that series. I mean, he he was he was there on time. He was there defensively. He, he did everything he was supposed to do. Really made an impact. And offenses, we can talk about the offenses, but the defense is really where he made his impact. Man, mm-hmm. definitely played his heart out. So, shout out to Caleb Martin. You know, there's right. actually a story that J. Cole was the one that made the call to actually, you know, he even got him a shot. You know, he was working out. I guess he was working out with him. I he, did hear that. Yeah, because he, he, he used to play in Charlotte. Yeah, he called yeah. Karan Butler. Karan Butler made some calls and man, that's crazy. His story is awesome. His story is awesome. Kyrie, Chris, anything else before we end off this episode? Anything else you no, have? That's it for me. This has been a great episode, fellas. That's it. It starts, it starts tomorrow. It starts tomorrow. Chris, get ready, man. I know you're excited. I'm excited for it. Also on Channel 6, ABC, too. So, for anyone that doesn't have cable, don't worry about it. It's, we'll all be able to watch it. So, that concludes episode 111 of the Restricted Zone podcast, the Restricted Basketball. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this as much as we enjoyed recording this episode. And please, don't forget to leave a like and subscribe and comment on the YouTube. We, we upload every week. This episode will be up the same day it was recorded. The audio will be up shortly later on this week. You can follow us on all streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're there. And the best part is you don't got to pay a dime. It's all free. So just subscribe, stream. Like I said, leave a like, subscribe. It definitely helps us with the algorithm, gets us out there a lot more, and we'll be ready to keep pushing us some more episodes. So thanks a lot, guys. Get ready for the NBA Finals. It's ready. It's basketball season. Have a great day, guys. <laughs>